like myself who just know enough to to you know um to introduce myself even in Haida so I could introduce myself to people in Haida you know but after that you know I still need I still need to work on that so there's various levels so for me I would probably want to take a look at how I would be able to um encourage uh more I would actually I would try to encourage the older um people who are the people who have been involved in the language program a lot longer to continue to mentor the ones who are, you know, gradually getting into it. You know, because, you know, I imagine, you know, like anything, they might get frustrated with it, but, you know, the drive and motivation that they have to keep it going for our people is, you know, is, a, is, a, is tremendous because that's a lot of energy to put into revitalizing something that, um, something that has been tried, that's something that has been attempted to be taken away from our people. Yes, I, yeah. I, um, I wish you good luck with your um, uh, run for chief. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and um, I wish you good luck with uh, creating unity once you get into office. Thank you. I, you know, and and um, um, I've been teaching Gitsanum for uh, maybe 40 years. And um, it is a, it is a slow process, um, but maybe in a village it's different because you have easier access to each other, and um, you don't have to travel so far to get to a classroom. Well, I, so, yeah, you're you're right in that regard. I. For about two years, I lived with my grandmother. We called him Nani here, my Nani Ethel. I, her name is Ethel Jones, and I lived with her for, for about a couple of years. And um, she always had her door open for all the people who were willing to come and um, listen to her, listen to her speak Haida, because you know they were willing to learn and keep it moving forward. So you're, you're right in that regards, because we have that community atmosphere here and. You know, I think to some degree to create that in the city, you know, and to get that community feeling there. And I, and there are places where I go where I have to do that, such as the Friendship Center or the Four Pathways or the Aboriginal Front Door, just to, you know, get myself, you know, uh, back in an environment that I'm comfortable in, which is, you know, being around a lot of First Nations, you know, mm -hmm. which, you know, and so to come back home. And, you know, it is a lot easier for people to have access to our language because naturally this is where the language comes from. And so, you know, I see, you know, the importance of making it back home to contribute to that. But you're out there where you're at, where the Gitsan people need you out in the city, you know, like Woodrow. You know, people may not, you know, realize how much of an influence that people like yourself have on people in the city because sometimes it gets really lonely for us out there. And, you know, we have to make the best with what we have. Mindset is really extremely important, and uh, that's one of the most disturbing things I have to say I've heard from the, the youth of some of the urban community is that they don't want to be too Indian. Do you find yeah. that going on in the remote community of Haida Gwaii? This is Dylan Oslick from Slingshot, and you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, BC.
Hi, welcome to the Arts Report for November 27, 2013. I'm your host for tonight, Sarah Lapsley. I've got a studio full of people tonight. We'll be talking about a bunch of things, and I'll see have C.R. Avery on the show talking about Small Stage Point Five. So stay tuned for an hour of fun. I think it'll be fun. It's nice to be back at CITR. Lots to talk about. But first, I've just got like four really cute guys in the studio hey. staring <laughs> at me right now. This is for radio. And I was very happy because they were rocking out to Luck Commander. That was Ronnie. It's about a dog. So, guys, what are you here for? C- and can you hear yourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're coming. You're broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're here to talk about a really awesome event uh, being organized by Francis Revelo, and uh, here he is. Behold. Hello, my friends. Oh. Hi, Francis. But first, why don't you introduce yourself? Ah, You're yes. a regular. Yes, uh, I am Rohit Joseph, uh, a regular arts uh, uh, reporter, uh, contributor, you could say. And uh, I found out about this event uh, because, well, I n- I've known Francis for a while now. And uh, we've also got my two buddies here. Uh, Connor, you can say a little word. Hello. Good to be here, Rohit. Good to be here. Oh, nice. <laughs> you put on your radio voice there. Uh, radio face and a radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> and we got uh, my other friend, good friend here, Jordy. Good evening to all out there. Hello. And some nice uh, so Movember yeah. action yeah, happening yeah, also. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Francis hasn't got the facial hair quite yet now but (laughs) but yeah uh, but what Francis has got down is an incredible lineup of talent and all for a good cause so Francis uh, I'll let you introduce yourself and introduce the event Uh, take it away for sure Uh, so my name is Francis Uh, I'm a UBC student here Um, in my fourth year at uh, in the English program and I am one of many leaders uh, of a community of people putting on an event called The Night with the Philippines, uh, which is happening Thursday, December 5th uh, at the Croatian Cultural Center. And what it is, is basically a concert, but I hesitate to call it a concert because it's really more than just like this divide between an audience uh, and the performance. It's, It's really a gathering of friends and family who happen to be talented and and passionate and really, really great people uh, coming together to this time fundraise um, for the Philippine Typhoon Relief. Um, We've partnered with Rose Charities, uh, which is an all-volunteer, Canadian-based, internationally reaching, um, on-the-ground organization. Um, And we're so lucky to have multiple people, multiple organizations, and multiple artists on board uh, to put this evening together. So what performers are going to be there? Mm, That's that's the greatest question. There will be singer-songwriters, there will be acoustic musicians, there will be dancers, there will be spoken word artists, there there will be a man named Liam on the bassoon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, it's worth it right there for that, other than contributing to the cause. Are you from the Philippines? Uh, I was born here. I am Filipino. Okay. Um, I do have friends and family that are in the Philippines, and luckily everyone is well and accounted for, um, where everyone is uh, from my... uh, my friends and family was sort of like sideswiped by the typhoon, oh, yeah. um, so we kind of got a little bit uh, nervous, I guess, like mm-hmm. for a week or so. But 
every, everyone's okay. So tell us about the typhoon, like what you know, because I know it was bad, but I don't know like mm. approximately how many people were affected. And I do. Uh, the last time I was checking numbers, um, it was the the worst landfall uh, typhoon I ever recorded. Um, and I think last time I saw the numbers, 5,000 people um, had their lives taken wow. from them. Um, and I, just, I can't even fathom what 5,000 people is. And anywhere over one is too much to fathom. Yeah. yeah. And then, so the loss of lives and also the infrastructure that would then devastate, like, communities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, as... Uh, as Canadians, as uh, sort of privileged and I think obligated we are, it's it's nice to have a group of people that just was on the ball right away and latched onto the cause to put on this fundraiser mm-hmm. uh, for next Thursday. Um, and one of the performances that is happening uh, consists of the members in this room, actually. Well, yes, <laughs> I've, I've recruited uh, these guys because, uh, well, frankly, we can we can give you a little taste of what's to uh, be expected. We got some rappers here. Mm-hmm. Francis, I want that taste. Francis, <laughs> <laughs> Francis, Jordy, and Connor here uh, will throw down some rhymes. Um, what I'm wondering is, we have two options. We could either go old school, I beatbox, and these guys each spit a verse, or we put on an instrumental of their choosing on the. Possibly, you could find it on YouTube. So, which way, guys? Are we going to go old school or new school? I think it should be the ladies' choice. Anything ladies else would be choice. just non-chivalrous. Mm-hmm. Old school, for sure, but oh, maybe yeah. even both. Like, yeah, as you guys good. exit, we could maybe pull mm. something up from YouTube. Okay, sure. okay like that'd be awesome. But yeah. um, what's the name of your ensemble? Ah, that's a good uh, good question. So uh, me, uh, that is Rohit, uh, myself, uh, so Connor and Jordy, we all form Class Act. Class Act kind of is a community band, though. We've had other people... Come out, uh, Liam, who was mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. he helped us win a recent talent show called oh, Clash yeah. of the Talents. Uh, he's a bassoonist. We've had uh, Leonard Palestine on guitar, uh, a great friend of ours, and Daru Ravi, also a beatboxer. So we, we kind of interchange with our instrumentalists, but the main people seem to be uh, mm-hmm. myself, Jordy, and Connor. Uh, we always are there. Uh, Jordy and Connor are both the rappers and writers. I'm just a mere beatboxer slash MC hype man. Slash sex appeal. appeal. Yeah. (laughs) Clearly. primary role. (laughs) Of course, yes. uh, I'm Uh, trying to be humble (laughs) here, guys. I'm trying to be humble. (laughs) I would like to make a brief interjection. Anyone Mm -hmm. who has any doubt about coming out to a night with the Philippines should recognize that the events that Francis organizes distinguish themselves not only for the quality of environment and performers and local Vancouver talent who show up that is always of the best quality, but because it's more than a performance. Mm -hmm. It's an experience of good vibes that really makes you feel at home with the environment and the performers. You feel as though you are among friends. It's inclusive, it's welcoming, it's always unique, improvised, and entertaining. Wow. I want you to speak for me. Yes. <laughs> I want you to speak for me. Also, $25 an hour. <laughs> I, do, I do feel like I've met you before, Francis. Maybe we have. Yeah. Uh, maybe around the space. Do you, do you do event planning and stuff? Other I things? I do. Maybe that's how. Yeah. Hmm. We should be friends on Facebook. That should be a thing. <laughs> Probably. I should be friends with all y'all on oh, Facebook. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We'll be friends with you. It's the next um, step in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> What was I going to say? Sex appeal first. Yeah, no, I liked your rap that you did just there. Bring it on. Old school. I want to hear it. <laughs> All right. Um, 
So mind if I squinch take those in with the mics? Yeah, I'm not, yeah. For sure. Passing down the uh, you could probably take mine too. Okay. Do some switching. Okay. All right. Just gonna check the, how the beatbox was sound. That sound fat. That sound all right, guys. All right. Uh, I'm gonna drop the beat. They said TV would be the death of the medium Dumbing down the populace to keep them all plebeian I got lines of freestyle not depleting them People though that I got enemies, I be defeating them mm. I'm lying thankful to be a guest So I make sure that although I need a rest I can show up tired and still give up what's desired Because inside you know I got a campfire Stack up the logs and tinder We'll collect every scrap of wood Even search for these splendors Eventually have enough of the blaze You put MCs on the mic, we can last for days I I was introduced as Connor the nice guy. I got an MC name, call me wise guy. It's only known in some little circles as some cliques. But you better whisper it when you speak. It's like Voldemort. Because the coldest sport is what I do. I'm a baller when I come on the court. But I don't come to play, I only come to slay. People fall down just from the words that I stay. Oh, I'm sorry if it's not poetic because I have got rhymes that sound so diabetic They could be so sweet that you couldn't eat them I hope that you understand that even dragons be defeated If you ain't, be afraid of them Make sure that you got new ideas always up in your cranium I am more than what we seem to be It seems to me a night for the Philippines would be the best that we could do for this typhoon We got Liam who's gonna be on the hip-hop bassoon It's gonna be a night that is unique You're gonna get to hear the words that I even speak We will do freestyle if we're allowed because the class act takes topics right out of the crowd You can show up and give me a topic And you can see if it's enough for me to know how to drop it Maybe I'll freeze on the mic and choke Or maybe you'll be amazed from the words that I spoke Either way, I think it's worth the price of a ticket To see if I can hit it and if I can stick it Oh uh, yeah Yeah, MC Wise Guy <laughs> <laughs> That was MC Wise Guy right Thank there Thank you very much That was incredible Very good how much? How uh, how are we good for time? Because I was wondering, uh, should we uh, let let the next people go or, yeah? How You've got more raps. Oh, uh, these two could spit uh, a rap if we got time only. Sure, for sure. And hey. I just want to make sure that um, before we move on to the next segment of the show, that you have a chance, Francis, to reiterate the details of the event and any sure. web information. I'm easy. Yeah. yeah. If you got, if Liam wants a turn. Uh, Gor- Jordy. 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 Why did I? Because you said something about Liam. Yeah. <laughs> wise guy. I like that. I'm into wise guys. Okay. <laughs> so you could do another one. Yeah. Do you, you want the headphones back? Um, we're probably good like this. We're good. We're okay. good like this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gorda, whenever. We'll do some uh, Boom Baptist. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll do the beat. <laughs> All right. Yo. Yo, we blast off you trash talk, your face to fist to asphalt Leave it to class, hack we back, flip on crash mats Have this, have that, glass grip, clink, cheers, drink beers I think we're the only ones that think clear We're on the brink, near the edge of legendary And yes, it's necessary, and never's less than rarely In heaven's cemetery, we travel to the kingdom Just so we could bring some things from the classmates Yo, at last, great raps made its way back from its crap State we smash crates and rap tapes with bad taste Surpass greats, make mad cake, pass the cash rate Oh, you're just a tad late, through your heart with glass stakes Then the glass breaks we rock through your windshield like a 
cock block when it pops makes the pig squeal don't mess with six pills cherry up my mary j my kind of big kids meal and i'll leave your wig peeled yo and shouts out to my hairdresser never slacking but sometimes cracking under peer pressure get your body moving back and forth from the sheer pleasure try scaling it but it's way beyond me and measure acts again i'm still fresher raps written quill feathers feel better after i kill sever but neil never yo and I question you rhetorically, like how to pronounce courtesy, then rejecting or reporting me. But Dill is the king reportedly. I'm thinking of him, but recording me. Willing to sing, but ignore the key. Feeling my ring, will I draw your G? When I get home, I'm making my own because the too poor to afford a beat. I'm the architect, ergo, vis a vis, concordedly. On the cover of Rap Game Quarterly, my fans stay applauding me before you ring and after the show in orderly fashion. What's happening? And the microphone, I'm passing to the artist of rawness, so show them where our heart is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Uh. Awesome. <laughs> That was really fun for me. Like my own <laughs> private rap thing. It's just a show for you. It's just a show for me. Thank you. I work hard, so it's nice at the end of the day <laughs> to get my reward. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, so you're performing at That's right. the event. Mm -hmm. So just give us the details again, Francis. So the five W's and the H, I guess, of A Night with the Philippines is who uh, is many... Uh, community members from Vancouver as well as super talented performers uh, coming together to put on a fundraising jam session mm -hmm. gathering celebration of resilience and spirit um, it'll be held at the Croatian Cultural Center Thursday December 5th starting at 630 it's $10 for students and seniors uh, $15 for everyone else um, there will be door prizes, uh, the silent auction, um, there's a 50-50 draw. There are multiple things that normally haven't happened at A Night With Friends. Uh, we're sort of uh, stepping up our game this time around. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search up A Night With The Philippines and you'll find both a group where you can participate in the conversation and the preparation, as well as the event itself, um, where you can find out more details and updates on who's performing. That's fantastic. And we'll share that information through our arts report site and, and everything. It was such a blast to have you guys on. Thank you. Great now, good. give me something to put into YouTube here. Okay. If you could see what's on my screen, just like a <laughs> random, bizarre, <laughs> man, yeah, naked yeah. man. Oh, that's the, uh, that's the wrecking ball. The wrecking ball. Chat, chat, chat roulette. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Well, definitely not that, please. Okay. <laughs> so what's your name to put in? Oh. Uh, well, actually, if you want to give us a good beat to go from right now, you can put in Ghost Rider. Okay. Uh, By RJD2. Yeah, that's yeah, a classic. That's a classic. RJD2. Uh, there it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're just going to do a little yeah, these wrap three up? Guys, these three guys will go at it. The uh, first one yeah. here. So I'll just put this on, and then I'm going to get the ladies and, uh, and uh, switch you guys it. out. And bring sure. in, I've got two lovely ladies waiting. They're going to tell us yeah. about some local place. So here it is, RJD2 Dead Ringer with Wise Guy and Jordy, and Francis, yeah. Rohit. Here they go. Hmm. Okay. I think I'm going to do a rap uh, that's, <laughs> that's been written uh, during my experience at UBC. Awesome. Okay. Basically about being a broke student. Oh. We can all <laughs> with that. Yeah. Okay. It's inspired by Shad's uh, old uh, Fresh Prince of Lozano. Okay. Tell it. Tell it. Tell it. A night with the Philippines. Yep. <coughs> Holla. 
If you got an extra dollar for me, a good day's getting harder to be. I gotta get myself a credit card minus the fee. Taking my girlfriend in some Tupperware to all you can eat. Now paying rent's fine, but high tuition's kinda stupid though. Intuition for student loans, I gotta do it, bro. Not even paying peers, pennies for thoughts. I gotta keep them in my pocket and save what I bought. I could use the new eye touch, some shoes and such. Umbrella with few socks, cause it rains so much. Head over to Costco and I'll buy a bunch. I cut down on cookies and I'll skip on lunch, cause every one charges for hot water and pie ours pizzas are getting smaller and yes they're still charging three dollars but fresh slice just feels that much farther unless you use cash or your you pass or you bike there i'm sure you knew that fact the more you spend better you feel your regret of your meal twelve dollar burger is real acknowledge economics disregard degrees seeing cheap as a language all students speak because i heard time is money but none of it's free so it's time to stop rhyming your budget all week Okay, we're just going to play these guys out. So stay tuned for much more on the Arts Report. Thanks a lot, you guys. You made my day. Vancouver Helpline is here to help. Open from 9 to 4, Monday to Friday, the Helpline answers questions about HIV and safer sex. Call to find medical support in your area without giving your name. Run by volunteers, the Helpline is one of the many programs from AIDS Vancouver combating the HIV epidemic in the Lower Mainland. While not medical professionals, our volunteers answer your questions confidentially and anonymously. The Helpline number is 604-696-4666 or contact us at aidsvancouver.org. 
Are you looking for a volunteer opportunity that fits your schedule? Being a big sister takes less time than you think, and you can choose the volunteer opportunity that fits your life. Spend just one hour a week as a study buddy, tutor, or two hours a week as a big sister. Check out the various mentoring programs at Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland and find a volunteer position and a little sister that will suit you to a T. Visit bigsisters.bc.ca for more information today. Hi, we're back on the Arts Report. It's an exciting evening, November 27th. I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, a live event I did the broadcast for, along with a bunch of other totally awesome CITR volunteers. Ola was my co-host, along with some other volunteers, and we just had a blast. And the the charity was Lace Up for Kids, and they had a big event um, at the UBC Rec Center where they raised money for the BC Children's Hospital Fund, and in particular for kids with rare diseases. So uh, it was one of the funnest nights I've ever had. Like they had bouncy castles and cotton candy and face painting and skating laps on the ice and bands and dance troops. Um, so I just wanted to remind you to check out www.laceup.ca. Um, if you want to donate money, you can. By the time I left and it was just a little more than half over, um, they had raised $46,000. So it was a real privilege to be a part of that event. Um, and I just wanted to play a brief excerpt of the podcast, which you can find on our site. But this was sort of the highlight of the event um, where the little toddlers came out skating. So this is myself and Ola as we're sort of reporting live from the ground at the Lace Up event. And I just thought it was really fun. So let's see. Here it is. There. So so cute. cute. I know. Our little hat. And those little woolly slippers. I know. And squeeze that little. Should we get him over here? Well, the baby doesn't, can't talk. (laughs) True. I can wave. Hi. Hi, cute baby. That's a cute little baby. But I think probably all the little kids are downstairs. Okay, so I think like the bouncy castle thingies have like started already. Yeah. See the Velcro people yeah, over the there. Velcro people, yeah. Exactly. So they're wearing suits with Velcro on them, and then they leap against this wall and stick to it. Honestly, <laughs> doesn't see. I don't see the appeal. What? Tell me why you think it's appealing. I don't- What's not fun about like jumping and landing on stuff and sticking to it? But then you like, I get the jumping part, but then you stick to it, and then you're just paralyzed there, for like, sure. like if you're just jumping, then that's fun. So Anyways, I, I mean, but it's a kind of like ex- trying to explain why you like jumping on bouncy castles. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you can't really explain the feeling why you like it. Yeah. Right? So. Okay, someone's playing Imagine right now, and I might start crying. Even though I hate it, I hate that song. But why? in this, yeah, I have no good reason why. <laughs> but in this context, it's yeah, making me it's cry. Good, we right? can't see what's happening out on the ice. Okay, I think I have like a s- small space right now. Like I can see some. Okay, now it's covered up. If oh. there's small children <laughs> skating, I'm probably going to be crying in a minute. <laughs> no, it's or, okay. Or some dancing. I mean, I have a shoulder here. You can cry on my shoulder. Robin, if you want what's to. happening on the ice? Tell us. You're our eyes on the ice. There's uh, the gates have opened. And spilling out of the gates were a bunch of adults holding little little baby children on skates. Aww. And so you have the, the adult behind them kind of ushering the kid on the ice, holding them up as they kind of glide along. And the lights are all going over them. They've got all multicolored lights. It's a nice dark setting. So it 
that's a nice aura and then a feel good music playing yeah. you know it's it's touching it's, it's touching good. It is touching. There they are. I can see them. Tiny toddlers on the ice. Yep. Oh, my God. To John Lennon's Imagine. I'm crying. Okay, it's happening. Oh. Okay. There's even a small pram on the ice. The tram. A pram. 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 Or a stroller. Stroller. Oh, that! Oh, that's nice. And I bet those kids are having a really good time right now. Having a blast. Just a reminder for anyone who's tuned in, we're at the sixth. We were at the sixth annual Lace Up for Kids event, raising money for kids with rare diseases. So one in twelve kids lives with a rare disease that can make life difficult or even be life-threatening. So please do uh, contribute to that, and we'll be um, hopefully back next year to do live broadcast. So I've got two lovely ladies in the studio. I'm going to turn them on. Can you hear yourselves? Hi. Yeah. Yeah. And just get up nice and close to the mic. So both of you are arts correspondents that have recently seen plays. Yes. And thank you for going. So why don't you start, Christine? So you were here a couple of weeks ago talking about Pride and Prejudice. So you did go to see it. Is it still on? Yes, it is. It goes on till um, November 30th. Thank you. Um, and the review that I'm doing... Um, is based on the performance I saw on opening night, November 15th. Um, so I guess before I launch into like a lot of specifics about it, I'll just give audiences a brief summary of it. I know that Pride and Prejudice is such a classic and, so, and something uh, most people know, but um, just a brief overview. So it's about two characters, Elizabeth Bennett and um, Mr. Darcy. Um, Elizabeth Bennett, um, she's from a family who's facing financial hardships. Mr. Darcy, on the other hand, is super rich. He's um, wealthy. So obviously the first time they meet, she has a lot of prejudice about him and he has his own, he has his own issues with his um, pride. Um, but basically the story is about how they come to fall in love and how they come to, yeah, have a relationship with each other. <laughs> um, so now that everyone knows um, the basic storyline, um, the way that UBC Theatre performed it, um, there was two major things that I really, really liked about it. Um, the first thing is how funny it was, how comedic um, and lively UBC um, produced it. The movie version that I saw with Kira Knightley in it was a little bit more romantic genre, whereas I feel like the play version um, that I saw was romantic comedy. Um, it was hilarious from start to finish. Um, even some of the scenes like when um, Elizabeth was talking to Mr. Darcy in a very, very... When, when she's angry at him for... Um, some of the things he does, like even those scenes, they always had like a little comedic twist to it. And I think that really made me as the audience enjoy it a lot more because I was constantly laughing throughout the whole thing. So yeah, first thing, start to finish, um, it had it had a lot of humor to it. Um, so the second thing that I really liked about it was the set. Um, the set was obviously really unique in and of itself. And what the set was pictured as um, it was like a bookshelf and all of the books that were on the set were um, Jane Austen's works um, and so that kind of picture and that depiction just right off the bat 
um, with the characters added to it, it makes it feel like all of the scenes are being recreated from the original novel. And it made me feel like the audience, like I was reading Pride and Prejudice and everything happening on stage was kind of like my own imagination. Um, so yeah, that like really made me feel like a participant in the actual play, which is really awesome. And this is a spoiler alert, but um, I'm going to fall in love and get married. <laughs> no, not that. One of the main scenes that I loved so much about it was the final scene, actually, because the set was so well used. Um, everyone has to go um, see this if they haven't already. But um, like I said, the set is a bookshelf, right? And the characters on it are basically like moving in and around the books. Um, for the final scene, Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy are up on this walkway and the spine of the book, the spine of one book on the walkway has a, um, has like a oval screen that's a little bit transparent. And so you can see the characters behind it. Um, so Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy are behind that screen and you can see them, the two characters, um, in the spine of the book, um, and they kiss and obviously everyone in the audience is like oh that's so cute and it's like the happy ending of Pride and Prejudice but all of a sudden the set begins to lift and all of the um, books and um, makeshifts of the shift makes shifts of the set actually begin to change and a the music that plays is like this bass guitar drumming and as the set begins to shift, um, obviously Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy are still kissing, and I felt like when the set was shifting to change it from just like the setting of a novel or the setting of a bookshelf, it kind of like emphasized that some of the themes of this book and like the love story within the book itself isn't confined by just like the borders of the book, you know? It's mm -hmm. something that permeates, and it's something that like you can carry with you. And I thought that was really intuitive. Like that was so unique and like really powerful to show that, you know, this, yeah, it is like a figment art of our imagination. And Jane Austen um, did write the novel Pride and Prejudice. But to some people and to the audience, like these, the themes of this play about prevailing love is still evident today. And it's still like something that's applicable today. Um, and so that's, set shifting to just be like a normal a normal stage on theater mm -hmm. i thought it really like enhanced the themes of the play yeah. which were which was really awesome it sounds like it had an emotional impact on you that moment when it sort of shifts yeah 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 because the the honestly like the sh the set was relatively constant throughout the mm -hmm. entire thing um and so because of that when it did start to change it had that added of yeah it, it added impact yeah. um yeah and like um the different couples within the novel itself like started to appear on set uh, appear on stage walk around um and so yeah i thought that final scene was like one of my most favorite scenes oh, of the entire oh. so when does it run till uh november 30th okay so there's still a few nights to see it and could you give us the details of the event again uh yeah for sure so it's going to be at the freddie wood theater um opening starts at 7:30. um for students the tickets are only 10 bucks um, 
so you can either pre-buy your tickets at the Freddie Wood Center or you can just go on the day of. Um, this play has gotten a lot of, um, I guess, like a lot of popularity as it started to run. Right. So I would personally suggest people to get their tickets beforehand. Um, yeah, there's only three more days left, but... Um, it yeah. sounds great. Like, <laughs> you were you were excited about it when you came a couple of weeks ago, but now having seen it, you're even more excited. Like, you really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it Honestly, I always knew that there was going to be, like, a twist to the Pride and Prejudice. Like, I knew that they weren't just going to recreate, like, the novel um, mm-hmm. chapter by chapter. I knew that they weren't going to just um, kind of, yeah, go, like, play by the book. Right. Um, but obviously, like when I saw the set and when I saw how funny it was mm-hmm. and, like, the humor aspects to it, I was like, oh, I I see why it's so awesome yeah, now. That's great. Well, thanks, Christine. And, Danielle, tell us about what you've seen lately. Well, I went to see uh, Becky Shaw, which was a Pulitzer Prize finalist in 2009. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. It was very intellectually engaging and thought-provoking and really witty. One of the main things I loved about it was the dialogue. They're two sets of characters with two completely different outlooks on life and love and morality and financial responsibility and um when you put them together you're you're, as an audience member you you find it so hilarious but at the same time you realize that there's such extreme views so i'll give you an example um one of the main quotes that i fell in love with um not because i agree with it but because it was just so you know, thought-provoking. Um, the character Max puts out, says, unless you're Gandhi or Jesus, you have a limited sphere of responsibility, and you have a plot of land, and the definition of a moral life is tending to that plot of land. Mm-hmm. While his counterpart, Susanna, his best friend slash family friend's sister, um, thinks, you know, you should always do the most humane thing. You should, even if it's lying, as long as you're uh, sparing the person's feelings, you should always do that. Um, so I really loved it. Um, there are other themes, clearly financial responsibility. Do you go after what you love as opposed to what makes more money? Uh, stuff like that. But essentially, the plot is Susanna, her father dies, leaving her mother and her financially burdened. Um, Max tries to help out. Susan and Susan, Susanna's mother, Susan, and her have a very dysfunctional relationship. During the funeral, she brings her young lover, Lester, and puts an even bigger strain on the relationship. Uh Afterwards, Max sleeps with Susanna, and they grieve. This will never hurt their relationship. And he uh, um, he says, you know, to get over your father's death, um, go <laughs> enjoy something. Go on a ski trip. So she does. She meets this guy, Andrew. They get married in quick, very quickly, like in a few short months. And in the months following, or years following, actually, um, they decide that they're gonna. Susanna's gonna set up Max. Um, this kind of cynically hilarious, witty rude and often callous best friend with um, Andrew's co-worker Becky who is very fragile and kind of emotionally unstable and tense Um, and it's not a match made in heaven it is the two most completely different characters you should ever set up ever and through a series of uh, unforeseen events and unfortunate events you know um, Andrew and Susanna kind of become overly involved in the relationship of their two friends and it puts a strain on their marriage and it puts a strain on their friendships, their individual friendships with these people. So the play ultimately asks, you know, what do we owe the people we love as opposed to the people, as, as opposed to our friends or the people that we just meet or the, what do we owe these people who land on our doorstep kind of out of nowhere? Um, 
and it yeah it asks about you know your your responsibility your ethical and moral responsibility in life as well as your financial responsibility and I I loved it I think it's relatable and I think you see yourself in a little bit of either character Max and Susanna they're two different outlooks but they're so relatable in a sense I think personally I think ethics is a very situational kind of thing so of course I don't agree with either take on uh, either perspective but you can definitely see their point their point of view and I think the audience will love that as well because I think they'll see that the the because of the way Max kind of puts his perspectives in these comparisons, such as the quote you see there, you find yourself laughing because it's just so funny. You'd never think of comparing his outlook on life to these 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 comparisons. And so, yeah, I really loved it. I thought it was very witty. Um, I would advise. I'm just throwing it out there. There are curse words and some. And you know, Max is politically incorrect he says the most blunt and callous things that you would never say in public mm-hmm. but that's what makes it so much fun because you're like i'd never say that what no yeah so but he's likable he's like, he's likable in the sense that you would love to have a conversation with him or an argument with him especially if you're as intellectually uh, to par with him but um he's so callous and rude like he over he almost oversteps the, that boundary that no one else would go so that's what makes him funny and that's what makes him a little likable i think if you met him in real life you'd think he's you know a really <laughs> terrible person but um yeah so is it set in contemporary times uh no it's set more present day um in the states of boston rhode island and new oh, york cool. i think yeah so it's pretty relatable. The themes are relatable. The time is relatable. And I think the situations themselves are relatable as well. So is there any, like, take-home kind of moral to the story? I think they leave it up to the audience to decide what they uh, what they should take. But I do say that the character of Susanna took home that, you know, she, Andrew and Max are two completely different guys. Um, Max is kind of... Uh, I wouldn't say domineering, but he is definitely in control while Andrew's kind of the knight in shining armor, loves a damsel in distress, but he's such a good guy and he respects her and he respects her morals and he looks out for her and he he knows that her father meant so much to her and he remembers the day in which he dies and when she asks Max, you know, what day is today? And he's like, I don't know, October 3rd, I think that's what he said. And she was like, you can't remember anything special about this day? And she go, he goes, no, why would I care? And I think that was a deciding factor in her life, you know. I need someone in my life who cares about me and respects the things that I think are important. Mm-hmm. So where is it? Where is it pl- running? Uh, it's playing at Studio 16 on one uh, 555 West 7th Avenue. Okay. So it plays until December 7th at 8 p.m. Oh, great. So yeah. it's on for a while. Yeah. And do you have the names of any of the actors or anything? Yes. So Susanna's played by Megan Gardner. Max is played by Aaron Craven. Andrew's played by Charlie Gallant. Susan is played by Marilyn Nori. And Becky Shaw is played by Moya O'Connell. Oh, great. Yeah. So you recommend it, it sounds I like. Would. I yeah. would. I liked it. Good. So you guys are both happy campers for going to see these plays yes. and do you have any hopes to see anything like what's coming up next at ubc theater christine uh ubc the seagull and ubc roy i believe i am gonna go see both of them <laughs> um i can't give you a lot of information mm-hmm. about any That's of okay, them but, but there's stuff coming yeah two more Oh, good. And what about you? What do you want to do next, Danielle? Uh, There's another play at Studio 16 called Lungs, and I'd really like to see that as well. Oh, cool. 
Excellent. Well, great. Well, thanks. I'm just going to um, take everybody in. We've got 15 minutes left, and I did something really cool, um, which was talk to C.R. Avery, and he is an awesome dude. Like, he's a musician. He sort of, he went on tour with Tom Waits. Tom Waits really likes him, and he's kind of a bit Tom Waits. actually has got a raspy voice. He does kind of spoken word and singing and keyboard playing. Um, really eclectic, dynamic performer. And he's a part of a neat event this week called um, Small Stage Point Five. And it's an explosive new movement series which pairs Vancouver's leading independent musicians with celebrated local dance artists. And it's at the Emerald, which is, I think, owned by David Dupre, who's sort of part of the Fox Theater. A really cool guy owns the rickshaw. And the Emeralds is a 1960s sort of Vegasy restaurant, um, but it's going to be a good performance. There's a bunch of people on, so just Google Small Stage Point Five, and C.R. Avery is part of it. So I interviewed C.R. Avery. He was in like Dawson City, Yukon, um, and I'm just going to play that for you now. So um, he's pairing with a uh, dancer, Hayden Fong. So it says. Blues, hip-hop, and rock and roll musician C.R. Avery and Hayden Fong, a multi-talented dance artist who's appeared in Kinesis Dance Box 4 in addition to music videos from Ash Coley and Nelly Furtado. They're doing a collaboration. So he talks about, a bit about that in the interview. So I'm just going to play that interview with C.R. Avery. It, it, he was a bit slow to warm up, um, but I got him going. Got him one over. So we talked a little bit first about a music workshop he was doing, and then we started talking about his um, love for Pierre Trudeau, and I also love Pierre Trudeau and Margaret Trudeau. So here he is, C.R. Avery, um, and I'll be back uh, in a while to tell you about a couple more events uh, coming up soon. So here he is, C.R. Avery. Whatever people wanted to talk about, you know, we did. We hooked up with some musicians before. Uh, a white horse show it was more like they were more curious about touring right um, just you know how the hell to get out of dodge um <laughs> you know everyone, everyone or the lower mainland how it's more you know and if if i you know was talking to another musician uh, you know that had a, i would ask them about publishing you know there's just so many questions yeah it's not a university yeah this whole thing so um, I mean, even with with touring, a lot of it's connected with other musicians in other cities. So, I mean, it's just like the more musicians you know, uh, questions could be answered. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's frustrating for young musicians because there is no university, there is no roadmap. It's trial and error. Yeah, so. yeah, and it's gotten harder. I mean, since I've been around, right? Yeah, well, it just changed. Yeah. Like the the whole with the computer, it just it just changed things a lot. Yeah, and I guess my question would be about songwriting, like how to put parts together or ideas together in ways that make a good song. Yeah, that's trickier. You know, because <laughs> you know, for me, it's like can you just do it or you don't. Really. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, um, as far as writing songs, it's just, you know, so, yeah, everyone has that idea, like, you know, somebody says something in a conversation, 
or you read a line in a book, like, oh, that would be that trigger something. Yeah. And some people open up the notebook and make the note. So it's like having the kernel of the idea. Yeah, it's just the discipline of when you get the idea to write it. Right. And and so there's there's no process that you can deconstruct in terms of bringing that idea. I don't into no, form. I don't think so. I just think that it's just the discipline to do it. Yeah. So doing the work. It's like, it's like that thing where you know, uh, with with little kids, you know, you put paper in front of them and they draw. Like all kids that I've ever met, you know. Oh, big parents, pe people are talking. Let's give the kids crayons and paper, and they draw. Yeah. And then you stop. There's just a certain period you're like, oh, drawings for kids. Yeah. And so most teenagers keep a journal, and then you just stop. And it's just that forever young syndrome when you just keep drawing and keep writing in a book. So the self-consciousness comes in. Yeah, like, oh, this is dumb, or, like, let's join the real world, and la-da-da. Mm-hmm. So. I was, um, I was watching a couple of clips of your work, and I was amused by the Pierre Trudeau, Margaret Trudeau one. It, th th that's what Justin wrote me. He wrote me. It was very amusing. That's what, well... <laughs> Yes, well, he's awesome, and I, I interviewed Margaret Trudeau on this very phone, so I have a special feeling for her and for Pierre. Um, so what was that about for you? Like, did you, you, you love Pierre? I don't know if I love anybody. Okay, um, that's, a, that's a whole other area we can go down. <laughs> well, it was more just, like... You know, Miles Davis talks about when he was looking, when he was picking his band, it was just, it was how the, the musician, would, you know, how they dressed, how they carried themselves in conversation. Um, you know, he could tell if they could play or not. Mm -hmm. A certain attitude and a certain way of carrying yourself in the world. And I just, he caught me off guard. You know, I was like, he carried himself you know, like a musician. Pierre. Just, he just had this, this something that, you know, like he had the same characteristics as Marlon Brando or Bob Dylan. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And I just kind of fell on it. Like, I never thought I would find a politician so interesting. Yeah, I'd fall on it, too. Um, but I think... So I just, like anything, and then I just started writing, and then, you know, you have to you check your facts and stuff, and next thing I know, I found myself going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, he has class. I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, there's a certain there's a, a certain sense of moxie. Moxie. In, in class. And so then it was hard to see Margaret, who was so fluffy, kind of. Well, I remember m m there's a documentary they did on Mike Tyson. You know, it's kind of his come. You know, just you know, you didn't really know how poor he grew up. You know, mm -hmm. how he would have been an, a statistic, like, in the neighborhood that he came up in. And they were asking him about, you know, uh, I forget who his wife was. That it was like... Robin. Yeah, Robin. She was on that TV show. Or Howard Stern? No, she, no, no. She, she was like, she was on, like, uh, head of the class. Okay. 
like she was a you know a child actor or whatever. Well, like you know a teenage actress, probably in her twenties or whatever. But he just said, "Man, we were kids. Like you know, I'm not mad at her." And everyone said she was a gold digger and all that. Like we were so young. And you know, all you can say with Margaret, man, like, she was so young. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine being thrown in? that major spotlight yeah yeah it must be tough and of course she had bipolar disorder and if you read her book changing my mind i mean she's been very sick but regardless of that i mean who wouldn't lock themselves in the bathroom with mick jagger for the weekend i mean it was it was you know she, it was just it's you know sometimes we think like when we're touring and you know the shit we say in the van we're like god i'm glad at the end of the day we're not being filmed right now and, and it's just like but some people are or even like the Beastie Boys where they're like everyone had crazy college years you know your 20s where you're, you're, you're whooping it up the problem with us was that we were getting filmed right and all that shit's documented mm-hmm. but it's beautiful the Beasties never stopped growing up um, yeah right and, and there's something to that yeah well, I like that question that you posed about, like, how would Pierre feel every time the Rolling Stones played? It would be this bitter reminder, you know, but we don't know what happened for sure. Well, I mean, I talk a lot, you know, I also say in that poem, it's like, you know, this is, you know, he, and he was a big boy, you know, and he, that's why sometimes I worry about Justin, because, like, you know, it's that my favorite quote from Leonard Cohen is, is just that he did with Gian Gameshi, where he's like, of course, I want the praise over the criticism for my work. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't want for me? But I'm ready for both. Is he? He's, but, and when he says, I'm ready for both, you can tell that he is. You so know? you're a supporter. What's that? You're a supporter of Justin Trudeau. Oh, no, I was talking about Leonard Cohen. Oh, you were talking Oh, sorry. Leonard Cohen would like the praise, but he's ready for the criticism. Yeah, like, you know, like, and, and, you know, like, I remember I just read something about Lou Reed where they said he did care what people thought of him, but it wasn't going to change his mind. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I remember, too, when Dylan was getting booed and, and all that stuff, and Joan Baez was like, listen, he's not as tough as you think he is. Like, all that stuff somewhat affects you, like... I can, you know, there's that, it takes one insult to uh, erase 99 compliments. Yeah. So, like, how do you handle praise? Like, what, what kind of praise is meaningful to you? Because like, probably people say stuff all the time, like, that's flattering. So, what kind of praise is meaningful, and how do you manage also, criticisms? I also, I also get lots of hate mail. Do you? I'm sure. I mean... I'm not a pop singer, so, you know, if you, you know, I remember just watching something about, in hip-hop, if it was like, if you start a battle with someone, like if you call somebody out in your song, it's fine, but you better be ready for those consequences, because then they're going to write something about you and you're in it now. Right. So, um, you know, I, I don't write, you know, uh, just love songs. So, you know, you have to be ready, but, you know, you know, folk singer is going to piss some people off, 
and, and you know, Jesus Trudeau, like, that's opening up a can of worms. Mm-hmm. Like, people hated his guts. You know, if you're going to start talking about Cuba, I mean, Jesus, like, that's, that's a big subject matter to open up. Um, but, you know, whatever. You yeah. Know, you write with whatever is going down, and, and, you know, I'm editing a book right now, and I'm really going... You know, is this is this just mean for the sense of being mean? Do I really want to put this out in the universe? Um, you know, because, yeah, once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You know, it's uh, both come at you. I mean, Jesus, I mean, have you ever watched the YouTube video and then the the... The shit people write on your YouTube videos. It's pretty shocking. It's yeah. It's horrendous. Like, you know, I remember when Leonard, that time when Leonard collapsed on stage, and the shit people wrote were like, it's scathing. Like, there's, this, there's, there's that Hemingway where he went after a reporter with a gun. Where it's like, you know, you wouldn't say that to me in a bar. Right. But it's that whole, like, you know, oh well. And now with the with the YouTube, it, they don't have to put their name beside it. Right, it's easy to just slap something out on the computer. Uh, and, and not have to have any consequences. Yeah. Alright, I've got much more of C.R. Avery, but not enough time. I'm not a huge Leonard Cohen fan. I know lots of people are. I'm more in the Bob Dylan camp. But uh, C.R. Avery is super fabulous, and he'll be at the Emerald this weekend as part of the Small Stage Point Five uh, dance and musicians event. There's lots of stuff on uh, the internet about it, so make sure to check out C.R. Avery and Hayden Fong. Another thing I'm really excited about, and I actually might go to this, I, I talk a lot about going to things, and I really uh, end up not going out to so many of them is the real recovery film festival it's put on by the orchard recovery center now if you have an addiction problem uh you can go to the orchard it's on bowen island and it's very expensive i mean we have recovery centers that are covered by the government this one is twenty eight thousand dollars for a month of treatment which is actually cheap compared to some of the big american ones like promises um but uh they've got great programming and they're putting on a day of films about uh, recovery from addiction and I'm in recovery from addiction it's been a, a long hard road um, so I, I'm a big supporter of films about addiction and I know a lot of people are affected by it now the film uh, the first one starts oh they've got them all mixed up they start in the afternoon at 1.30 the IB Frank the one I really want to go see is at 6.30, Russell Brand, My Life Without Drugs. I'm a huge Russell Brand fan, and I don't know if I mentioned that he came to Vancouver um, to do a comedy performance not too long ago, and he's a big fan of Insight, so we have a very innovative uh, program called the Safe Injection Site. So it's a place where people who are um, addicted to needle administration drugs through needle administration can go and it's a safe sterile environment there's been quite a lot of controversy from the federal government who doesn't support it um, but it has been shown in studies to reduce 
disease transmission, crime rates. Uh, it gives people access to treatment. And um, I know that Matt from the Australian Canadian Music Show works there. A lot of cool musician types work there, and it's important work. And Russell's a big fan, and he went and toured the site. He also invited... Um, some of the people that he met who are called participants, people with addictions, he invited them and took them backstage to his show, which I'm sure just like, I mean, would have thrilled anybody, um, and got his picture taken with Coco from The Gay, um, from local band The Gay and uh, the choir practice. So Russell is an ultra cool guy, and it says Russell Brand has not used drugs for 10 years, um, but temptation is never far away. He wants to help other addicts, but first he wants us to feel compassion for those affected with a sad commentary about his friend Amy Winehouse, uh, written and starring Russell Brand. So that movie is called uh, Russell Brand, My Life Without Drugs, as part of the Orchard Recovery Film Festival. It's at the Rio Theatre December 13th, sorry, December 1st, 2013, so check that out. Uh, the other event is, which I hope you go to, sponsored in part by CITR, the Mint Records Ridiculously Early Christmas Party is back every year. They have it ridiculously early, which I guess makes sense. Nardwar, the human serviette, is performing with the evaporators. Tough Age, Rennie Wilson, Jay Arner, Chris Mastheim, Fake Tears, Sean Morazic. Um, and DJ Duncan McHugh, host of Duncan's Donuts on CITR, $10 in advance, 13 at the door. My guess is it'll sell out. You can get tickets uh, online at Brown Paper Tickets or in person at Red Cat and Zulu Records. So I'm going to leave you with a song from The Evaporators. And then just stay tuned because I've got a brave verse and that's a 20-minute podcast, and I'll uh, just play the evaporators and some PSAs, and then I will come back on and just give a little... Actually, you know what? I'm going to do my Brave Verse intro now. Brave Verse is a web series about William Shakespeare, love him, and great writers of his time reimagined as modern-day university students, featuring famous names like Chris Marlowe, Ben Johnson, and Thomas Kidd. The series takes the historical events and context in which Shakespeare produced his famous works and throws them into the contemporary world. What would it be like if Shakespeare had not existed until now?